0: self-published author and digital marketer Paul Teague.
1: Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys episode number 126 for Monday the 5th of November 2018. My guest today is Julie Stock who started writing in 2013 when she was in her late 40s but she was soon hooked and went on to join the RNA's new writer's scheme the following year. She's now an independent author of contemporary romance from around the world, having published her debut novel, From Here to Nashville, in February 2015. Julie is a proud independent member of the Romantic Novelists Association and the Society of Authors, and when she's not writing, she works part-time for a charity as a communications officer and freelance as a proofreader, web designer and supply teacher. When we chatted for the podcast, I started by asking Julie what had attracted her to romances as her chosen genre. I
2: suppose I hadn't really thought about it before I started writing my first book. Um, But I guess my main um, source of reading is um, romance um, or romantic fiction. Um, So just when it came to the idea for that book, that very first book, it it seemed a a natural um, way to go. Um, I I don't really have any. um, It's not so much desire, but no sort of particular yearning to write in any other genre you know I don't have a, a sort of thriller in me I don't think um so you know yeah it, it just seemed the natural way to go for me
1: so you write what you enjoy now this week I was speaking to Lindsay Drew Honey who writes erotic romance now yeah I, I listened to that one. <laughs> so you need to put me right on this Julie, because I I'm not you know I'm a bloke I don't really know the difference what, what what's the difference I bet you know specifically what the difference is because they're very different audiences aren't they
2: yeah, I mean you've got all the definitions of clean romance where there's no sex at all, you know, not even an open door. And then I think sweet romance um is an American term used particularly for possibly an open door but you know not very much information. I'm not entirely sure of all those different categories, but I write contemporary romance so you do see a little bit of action, if you like, but it's not remotely steamy. And then you might have steamy romance, which is a bit more involved. And then uh, erotic romance, which, you know, is, is the full sort of possibly BDSM, you know, things like that. Um, but I noticed um because I looked at Lindsay's books after I listened to the interview on Amazon, and I noticed that there's a category now, um, I think it's romantic erotica. So you can have perhaps, again, another distinction within erotic fiction where, you know, you've maybe got something that's a bit more, I hesitate to say brutal, but if you follow what I mean, um, and then the romantic uh, erotica, which is perhaps more focused on the romance Absolutely.
1: so yeah it's it's all interesting stuff I know it's very important yeah. because those people who don't like that stuff really don't want to read it do they want to keep no. steer clear of it entirely I think
2: yeah and I, I think you know there are well I, I came to do my very first um free booksy promo following all your advice oh good <laughs> and um I've set it up now for the end of this month um And when I came to choose my category that I was going to apply for the promo for, um, I literally just had the choice between, I think it was um, sweet romance or steamy romance. And I contacted them to say, well, I don't think that I fit into either of those because I felt that sweet was perhaps too clean and that people who were expecting, you know, nothing to go on might be a bit upset with my book not that there's a lot of activity as such Um, but then steamy if I said it was steamy they might be disappointed from the other point of view Um, and I did contact them and they the um email I got back said pretty much to go for steamy if there's any action at all so I've gone for steamy, but I'm not sure that, that that's exactly what readers will expect. You know, when they if they do download my book and read it, they're probably expecting a bit more than I give them. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I know that some people get really offended and they want to steer clear of it. Um, you're probably I think you're probably safer doing that, aren't you? So rather than having less steam than too much steam, I think it's probably safer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah but but there's so many different um categorizations now you know even for a romantic fiction writer it's quite difficult to you know categorize yourself but um i mean for me contemporary romance means that there might be some um sexual activity if you like but it's not going to be anything too heavy um and you know i certainly in terms of what i might read that's what i would expect if it was a contemporary romance
1: Now, before we we sort of dig into the book bubs and all of this sort of thing, we need to wind the clock back a little bit, because you came to writing uh, late. when I'm looking at your author blurb, you know, you came to writing in your 40s. Was that your first try at writing, Julie, or had you, you know, kind of dabbled like the rest of us as as a child or teenager?
2: Um, It was pretty much my first proper go at it, really. Um, You know, when I was young, I used to write poems and short stories when I was at school, but... I never really harboured any particular dream of, you know, becoming a a novelist as as such. Um, Through my working life, I've worked in marketing for a a lot of um, my my career. And so I did copywriting and things like that. Um, And the main reason why I never thought about sort of doing anything like fiction was because I thought, well, I don't really have an idea in me that I think I could sustain over 80 or 90,000 words. That was the first thing. Um, And the second thing was that I thought, well, let's say I did write something. I can't see myself actually being published traditionally. I couldn't see any way through that. I just thought it would be rejection after rejection. And I didn't really fancy that. You know, I didn't want to put myself through it. Um, And then in 2013, so I was 48 by then, as you say, in my 40s, I had this idea for the novel that then became um, From Here to Nashville. And, um, you know, it it was, well, it wasn't terribly well formed, as we'll um, perhaps go into when we talk about my planning, so-called. But, you know, I had this idea and I thought, yeah, I think I can make that work for a whole novel. Um, and then at the same time, the other thing that happened was that my husband finally persuaded me to have a Kindle. Um, and one of the first books that I read on the Kindle had been self-published by the author. And, you know, this was 2013. So obviously, you know, Kindles had been around for a while. Um, but I had absolutely no idea that people were self-publishing. I just didn't know that that was happening. Um, and you know for the first time I thought well I've got this idea and if I get to the end if I finish it I could actually go ahead and publish it myself and I think it was those two things that sort of changed for me Um, and at the time that I sort of came up with this idea I was teaching then and um, I was going through a bit of a rough time with it I was feeling you know all the stress that every teacher feels Um, And so in a way, it was sort of an escape as well to just sit down and write and, you know, be in this other world. Um, So that's kind of where it all came from, really. Um, But, you know, before that, I just hadn't really ever given it a go. I just didn't. I, I think I lacked the confidence. But once I got the idea and got going, it just went from there.
1: And you've worked as a supply teacher, haven't you been that? Oh, blimey. I used to, (laughs) I used to look at the supply teachers coming in. We used to have a supply teacher called Nasher in my school. We (laughs) we called him Nasher because he'd go in and then he'd just go bark at the kids, you know, for five minutes. They'd, they'd chew him up, spit him out and then he'd go. And, And he was always in on my day off. (laughs) <laughs> and so I was I was always there on tenter hooks right, not my day off my morning off you know my session off and I always just right. to have to go in and pick up the class after they'd they'd got rid of him so I know what it's like to be a supply teacher it's hard work isn't it
2: Yeah I mean it is hard um I was lucky because I only did supply in my old school so I I left there uh, you know sort of finished teaching um at the end of uh, 2015 and then I only went back and did supply there. So for a couple of years, I still knew the children that I was teaching. So that really helped a lot. Um, it was only really once I got to the point where some of them didn't know me that, and I felt uncomfortable then as well. So I kind of stopped doing it then. So I, I don't do any teaching at all now.
1: <laughs> oh, you're an escapee, a fellow escapee. That's I am. <laughs> <laughs> Were you primary or uh, senior school?
2: Well, I'm in Bedfordshire, so we have um, our quirky little thing of middle schools.
1: Oh, they still do that, um,
2: do they? Yeah, so we have the three-tier system. So I was actually in a middle school teaching nine to 13-year-olds, so a bit of both, really.
1: Ah, just as they start getting cheeky. There's
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, nothing quite as awful as um, bottom set year eight French, in my experience.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? Was that your subject, French?
2: Yeah, that's my degree. Yeah, yeah but but I was a class teacher as well, so I had a year five class, and so I pretty much taught everything.
1: You yes. know, yes, you do the a lot, don't you? You're a, you're a what is it, jack of all, jack and Jill of all trades, aren't you? Jennifer? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Primary, yes, I used to have to pretend I knew a lot about, or a little, you know, a lot about a lot, but I didn't know very much about anything. <laughs> to be honest with you, yeah, <laughs> it's um, I, it's funny when I think back to my teaching days. We were talking the other day about you know when you start your working day these days and these days you, you sit at a computer to start your working day but my working day used to start at a, at a dusty old chalkboard writing the date on the board that was the start oh. of my day for years did, did you were you were you in it sort of that long to remember those days
2: no it was all whiteboards by the time I got there no, so gosh. sort of whiteboards with whiteboard pens but also you know the electronic ones as well um but also I had a, a person set up to put the date up every day for me I didn't do that myself
1: it's like royalty good that's really posh that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish yeah. I'd had that. I know when people talk about my sister had teaching assistants and uh, I used to teach an assistance, we used to do everything by yourself in those days. You know, so I don't know. So, you're gonna no.
2: hate you're gonna hate me now because that was a child that used to do that <laughs> for the day. It wasn't even a teaching
1: assistant. Oh, I should no. have done that, yeah. I should have thought of that one. Yeah. But it just shows how times have changed, doesn't it? I mean you you're talking about discovering kindles and, and self-publishing and and it, it you know to me rice had got a chalkboard feels five minutes ago and, and actually yeah. it, it was really historically but then things changed so much it wasn't long after i left i mean probably whiteboards were probably coming in but the time you know at the time i left we probably just hadn't got them but yeah if you blink you miss it with technology don't you? it comes in so fast
2: yeah i mean even um in the sort of space uh, because i was just thinking about um how my older daughter is she's 22 now and when she was at school you know um when she went to secondary school she was 13 then so that's nearly 10 years ago and such a lot has changed in that time and as you say it's just so fast moving and you know, I work with technology in um, my day job, and you know, I feel that that's is just a, a constant. Um, not, it's not difficult, but you know, you have to really be on it every single day to to stay
1: up to date with what's happening. Well, congratulations on escaping teaching. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you you and me both let's take a look at from here to nashville then um you hinted there that things might have gone a little awry with that book at the beginning can you, can you talk <laughs> us through your first writing experience so uh, well
2: i i had um just at my word program at, at that point when i first started writing so i was writing my book straight into word and you know i quickly found that really difficult Um, just in terms of having to scroll through everything that you've done and sort of then scroll back to find where you were and everything else. So I was having problems with that to start with. Um also, um, really, when I, I came up with this idea, I, I literally had, you know, an idea for my um, female character, you know, this singer songwriter from Dorset I had an idea for the male character who's going to come from Nashville and, and be a record label owner. I knew that they would meet and I knew that they would get together at the end. But apart from that, there wasn't a great deal in between. Um, so I really did um, sit down as a pantser for that first novel. Um, and so that was in the April of 2013 that I started writing. And then in the July of that year, um, I took part in one of the NaNoWriMo camps, not the actual National Novel Writing Month itself, but where you set your own target. So I set myself 10,000 words, I think, to write in that month, which, given that I was still working full-time, was quite a challenge. Um, and And because I wrote those 10,000 words, I got a discount on Scrivener. And I mean, literally, that changed everything for me. You know, I absolutely love it. I think we've talked about that before. And um, so I've moved everything into Scrivener. And that really helped, you know, in that I could see everything that was happening. You know, I could see all my little index cards and, you know, move things around. And I, I, I really found that helped me um but sort of i think it was by about november i'd written about 80,000 words and i went to a festival of romance in bedford mm. <laughs> uh near where i live which you know i'd never heard of a festival of romance happening anywhere <laughs> near me well i, I, I might
1: be that. a bit unsure about what i was signing up for i'd like to <laughs> need to read the small print
2: well it was um it was mainly sort of romance writers from the Romantic Novelists Association, which, again, I didn't know anything about at that point. Um, But I sort of went to the first session and heard some people read from their books. And then um, there was a, a big hall where they lots of people had stands where they were selling their books. And I talked to quite a few people there. And, you know, very quickly, I sort of got this feeling that they were all very supportive, even, you know, people who were doing really really well and very well known even um they're just very kind and very supportive very welcoming and then um i went and sat uh for this little panel and and there were i think there were four authors on the panel and maybe a dozen of us in the audience you know it was bedford obviously <laughs> and um Anyway, I managed to ask a question and I said to them, you know, if what do you do if you get to the point where you've got about 80,000 words and you're not sure that they're the right words necessarily? And um, one of the authors said, well, you, you just you dump it and you start again, you know, at which point I nearly fell off my chair Uh, And I think the other authors did as well, because, you know, their view, the rest of them was, no, you don't do that. You take it and you join the um, Romantic Novelist Association's new writer scheme. And again, I'd not heard of this. And um, basically, you have the chance to join in January every year. There are so many Places, I think it used to be um, 250 places but I think it's gone up now to just over 300 and um, when you do that uh, you know I joined in January 2014 you can then submit a manuscript either a partial one or a full one to them before August of that year and it will come back um, with an assessment and you know for me that that um, I, I, I just thought if I can get someone else who knows what they're talking about to read my writing and tell me whether it's any good then you know I'll know from there whether this is worth pursuing so I needed that validation from somebody um, and the people that do the reading on the new writer scheme they're all professional readers they're all authors um, so they all know you know what they're talking about and so I submitted I think in the May of 2014 and I got a really positive assessment back, and I think it was at that point, and it, because I, by that time I'd been doing research about how to self-publish, I'd got my blog and my website all set up, and I was on Twitter and Facebook and everything, so I was all kind of there. Um, and I thought, right, I'm going to self-publish, because obviously time was ticking on, and I had this thing in my head that um, I wanted to publish my book before I was 50. Um, which was all arbitrary, but I just decided that that was what I was going to do. So um, It's a good deadline, though, that
1: 50 <laughs> deadline, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
2: Mm. So, you know, another year had gone by by then, and um, I thought, you know, that's what I'm going to do. So uh, I went to the RNA conference that summer in 2014, and I got myself an editor there who was an RNA member, um, and she helped me with the editing and by that time, I'd also joined the Alliance of Independent Authors, and they I found someone through them for the um, cover design. I found my proofreader on Twitter. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of did all the, the right quality controls, um, if you like, once I'd had that sort of um, feedback and gone through the process. Um, and so, you know, that sorted the book out for me, the book that was all a bit of a mess late 2013, um, that tidied it all up so that I then published in February 2015
1: well you did brilliantly and you put all those uh, component parts together you know the the support that's out there and available you put that together really well I think to you know to get your first book to market What what happened when you launched it because you know often people think the journey is to get the book written and then you've got to learn to market the blasted thing haven't you how, how did you get on with that
2: yeah. Um, well, I think like everybody, I thought, you know, I'll publish it and it will do really well, obviously. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, looking back, I think I have to think, well, it did do well, given that, you know, I was completely unknown. Um, and, you know, I, I did sell books. So that that was an achievement in itself. Um but, you know, I, I'd already set up my blog, which was about my um, self-publishing journey. So I had a good audience through that already. So that that had been going uh, for about a year and a half by the time I published. And um, I'd already got my Twitter, you know, followers sort of building nicely. It wasn't a massive following. And then there was my Facebook author page. Also, the, the RNA is just, you know, as I said, members are just so supportive. So lots of the people that followed me on Twitter are in the RNA and, and, you know, we share each other's posts um, or tweets, I should say. And, you know, it's, it's very supportive in that way. And then um, I set up my own little blog tour. So I contacted people um, with blogs who were willing to have me come on and guest post. I, I probably only did that for about a week, you know, the week of publication and um so i did those guest posts i contacted some bloggers i didn't really know very many then but i did contact some bloggers and send out free copies of the book in the hope of getting some reviews as well so i did lots of bits and pieces really i didn't um have a plan i always feel really bad when someone talks about um a marketing plan because i've never done a marketing plan really um you know i've always just kind of done bits and pieces of lots of things um and you know um i had it exclusive to um kdp for the first three months and then after three months sort of picking up all the tips from people i decided to try making it wide so i put it onto draft to digital at that point um, but obviously it's very different to the way it is now this was in 2015 um, there weren't so many outlets for it to go on, but I, I put it on a fair few. But the only one it sold any books on was um, Apple iBooks, and so by the end of the first year, I think I'd sold a couple of hundred copies altogether, and it was equally split between Amazon and iBooks.
1: That's interesting so, because that was my experience. That's, oh, was it? Yes, the, um, a virtually equal split between, and I'd I'd given I'd done iBooks four years ago whenever when I started then I've been in Amazon since and then right. when I did this last uh, book bub that was yeah. wide it was that uh, equal split Amazon and iBooks and I, I yeah. had thought there was nothing to play for on iBooks but it's interesting to hear you're saying the same as me that actually it's all to play for on iBooks isn't it
2: well it was funny because um I, in fact I'm, I'm sure that you might have mentioned this on one of your recent diaries or interviews but um I so I published in February 2015 and then in the April of that year, we'd just actually um, been to Nashville, that was for my 50th birthday, (laughs) and um, we came back and then I went and did um, sort of I I think I went to the um, Alliance of Independent Authors Indie event in Foyles in Tottenham Court Road. I
1: was there, Julie.
2: Yeah, so we sat next to each other. It was so funny because I thought, gosh, I bet we were both there together, but we didn't know each other.
1: No, no I was. <laughs> that was my first Alliance of Independent Authors event, that was. Yes,
2: yeah, so I was quite miffed because I thought, God, I had the opportunity to say hello to you, but we didn't know each other. <laughs>
1: no, I so, barely started then, Julie. You know, I barely started. I hadn't got a podcast, so there was no yeah. reason why, you know, I'd just be that strange man. <laughs> now, now I'm now that strange man who does the podcast.
2: <laughs> well, immediately after that, I don't know if you would have gone to it, but they had a podcast a bookstall event upstairs
1: oh, I, and i by that stage.
2: All yeah, oh, yeah. right. Because I, I was next to Ian Sutherland at oh, that nice. event yes. and you've had him on your podcast yes. as well, haven't you? Yeah,
1: it's like happy families, so, isn't it? It really.
2: Is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I did that and, um, you know, I, so I, I did lots of little events and, um, but, but that was the first sort of big event that I did. And at that event, the lady, I was just trying to remember what we were talking about then, but the lady, from Apple came and spoke to me uh, on my store and she gave me her card and she said, are you on iBooks? And I had to admit that I wasn't. And she said, well, you know, we can um, give you some help if you want to put it on iBooks. So in the May or whenever it was when I decided that I would go um, wide, I contacted her and she did um, support me a little bit. So the book was on the front page of the romance section or something like that for a little while. Um, so I don't know if that helped um, but you know um, I did sell quite well on it but as you did I then went back I think by the time my second book came out I decided to go back exclusively to um, KDP so I'm only trying it again now I've I've literally just gone wide again but um, so far no sales so <laughs> we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, it's it's like pulling teeth, I think, without promotion. Yeah. It's very hard without promotion. Yeah. I've got to say, um, again, we'll talk about your book, Bob, in more detail a bit later, but i I got to say the book, Bob, is what's fired it for me. Um, I, I sold nothing, really, first time round on, um, what was I am trying to think, what they're all called, iBooks, nothing, uh, Kobo, nothing, um, what's the other one, Barnes & Noble, nothing, yeah. Google Play. Actually, I, I had sold some on Google Play. I hadn't realised it, and... Um, I don't know what made me look, and then I found that they owed me £80 or something like that, so I had something. Oh, some on that's, Google Play.
2: Yeah, I remember you saying that, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I don't know, as you say, perhaps the promotion will help, but, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But it, it is hard to, to make yourself or to get yourself noticed on those other sites, I think, even harder than on Amazon when, when you're new to it. So that's something that I've got to look at again, really.
1: Yeah I think that I think the book bub uh, will definitely help. Um, yes yeah,
2: sorry it's I haven't got a book bub. A free I've, I've, yeah free books yeah. yeah. Pardon, sorry, free I I did I did look at it and I know I've been saying that I must give it a go but um it's just the cost at the minute that's kind of putting me off so I thought well I'll start gently um, and see you know how this goes and I hope that if this goes well then you know I might then be able to think about a book bub next time.
1: If it's any consolation to you, Julie, at the time we're recording this today, I've got my sci-fi BookBub going, and I didn't realise until I got an email from BookBub uh, that I have forgotten to reduce the prices on Apple, so I have forfeited half my income from that promo. Oh, dear. (laughs) I know, but there's so many moving parts when you're wide and yeah um, it's been um well i'll talk about it on the diary but um yeah there's so many moving parts and i just completely missed that i hadn't dropped the prices it was i'd done it on in the u.s but i hadn't dropped it anywhere else i'd completely forgotten to do it so
2: <laughs> well this this is the thing i'm dreading is how to you know how many days in advance am i going to start the process of trying to set it free and then you know you have i know you have to contact amazon don't you so you have to set it free on the other sites first and then get amazon to price match
1: yeah it's a nightmare Julie. It's, oh, it's been an absolute yeah. pain and you know, yeah. they still haven't done me in australia i've been using that special email that i give out in the diary yes, Jeff, yeah, at amazon.com yeah. and um they've done it in uh, they've done they've done it in all the other territories but not um australia so i'm still not free in australia on the day of the launch i've been asking them i can't remember when i got the book but three three weeks i've been asking them to do it so um yeah it's just been it's just so clunky it's not not true um yeah uh, so i'm not i'm not impressed
2: no i definitely sympathize with that on your last diary because a i had problems um with my box set that i've just done um in getting amazon to link that book to my other books so i could see it was there um but it wasn't on my author page ah oh, and you know every as you say every time you email, email them they they're usually quite helpful but you get a different person each time so you have to explain it all each time um, so this was taking ages and they kept saying to me well we can see it and i kept saying well i can't see it you know so we're going round in circles and um, then I was having the issue with um, draft to digital um, where every time I would um, put something up. So I, I had um, From Here to Nashville and it's two sequel novellas and the box set I was putting on draft to digital And I would find that, um, say, three of the four places that I wanted to publish had published it and accepted it. But one of them hadn't. And uh, but but the comment that would come back to say why it wasn't being published was completely, you know, I I didn't understand what the issue was. It would just be a sentence that I wouldn't really understand. So then I'd have to contact them and say, well, what does that actually mean? And then you'd have to go and fix it and upload another one. And then the whole process would start all over again. So, I mean, I, I felt that if I was going to stick with it, that I would have to try and apply myself to uploading individually to apple to kobo to barnes and noble etc because i'm just not finding draft to digital works as well as it used to when i previously used it i don't know if that's fair um but i I have found it quite hard so uh, when i when i was listening to your diary i was thinking yeah i might just go back to being exclusive and just leave it at that for the time being
1: it It is the easiest thing to do that's my yeah. conclusion with it um the The other thing that's changed it's funny how these things can change in the course of a year but um you know vellum has changed things a lot for me too because yeah. it's so much easier. You know what you were saying there about um listing directly on iBooks. I would yeah. never have considered that before, but actually now with vellum, I absolutely would because i 'm going to get a beautifully formatted iBook version that i could just upload i wouldn't have even thought about that before it was so hard just to get a book out in, in yeah. the early days i used to html mine um when i started um you know i used to do the adjustments in html so it, it, things it's constantly shifting sands i think with, with all of this
2: yeah, I mean, I still haven't got vellum, and know you're going to um, be cross with me. No, no, it's
1: up to you. I, it's up to you. I'm just—it's a recommendation, that's all. No, I
2: definitely want it. I do want it, and I've downloaded the um, free trial, and you know, I, I can see that it's going to be a great benefit. And and I have to say, as much as I love Scrivener, the formatting side of it has become—you know—when you export it, the, the compiling has become more and more difficult. I found. Um, so there's no doubt that having vellum would definitely make my life easier Um, I just haven't done it yet but um, you know I I think it it, it just becomes really difficult as you say once you get to the stage where you know like you're doing you've got loads more books than I have but when you're trying to upload so many different books and you're trying to um, optimise your back matter and all these different things and things are changing all the time you need to be able to do that really quickly don't you And I think Vellum sounds like it enables you to do that much more quickly than Scrivener, for example. So, you know, I I will do it. I promise. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, you could do it in minutes. I mean, I've created those seven pack omnibus editions. Yes. You literally just drag in each of the individual books and and it's there. You've got, yeah. you've got a seven pack, uh, omnibus. And yes, for the back matter, it's really good. And the other, I think the other ninja thing there, uh, Judy, with vellum is that, um, is the way that you can put, um, bespoke links to um, the yeah. the marketplaces. So the, the, the vellum, uh, version, when you create the Google play EPUB, it has Google play, um, geographical links you know geo links in to the yeah. it, it's and it's just it's just amazing so the only way I mean you couldn't replicate that by hand you could only do that with vellum and you could even put I'm not even sure of the legality of this but you could put affiliate links in if you want to but I thought a lot of the affiliate rules I'm not sure whether they allow that so I've I've just backed off that a little bit but um, you can clearly right. put affiliate links in but um as a, as a sort of ninja marketing i've now got all my books listed at the front to the back and they've all got bespoke links to the relevant marketplace in which whichever i list in so there's, there's you can't really do more than that from a sales point of view to encourage people i don't think it's 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 right. it's sort of frictionless you know which you, and you can't replicate that by hand i can't think of a way of doing it
2: no, well, I again, I had real problems with my links this time. Um, I was using the um, Draft2Digital books to read links, and I, I just kept having problems with them not working um, uh, from Scrivener. And I didn't know if it was a Scrivener thing or a Draft2Digital thing, and whichever one of them I contacted, they said it was the other one. <laughs> um, and I, I watched your um, Patreon video about how you did that with all your links and, and in the front and the back. And I think it was at that point, you know, I was having the problems with links myself and I just thought, you know, I really do need to get Vellum to help me make that much more, you know, straightforward and and just easy to do next time. So,
1: yeah. (laughs) I I think you've got to put um, a price on your time. And if you say, you know, Say, say you pay yourself, you know, 20, 25 pounds an hour or something like that, you know, as a, as a, as what your time is worth. And what's vellum? $200 or something like that. Yeah. If you yeah. look at the, the pain that you have trying to resolve these problems and you put a time on it, you know, how many hours you spend,
0: you yes, really, you yeah. get,
1: you get your money back on vellum very quickly when you look at it in terms of, of the time wasted. because uh, I've wasted hours and hours formatting paper book backs and things. I mean, have you done that or did you pay to get yours formatted?
2: No, I do all that myself as well. Well, you know
1: the pain, then,
2: don't you? (laughs) I do know the pain. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's it's hours and it's horror, and you've got to do that in you've got to do that in Word, haven't you? When you're doing, uh, unless you use Vellum, you've got to do that in Word. I think unless you've found another way around it.
2: Well, I did the for the first one. I did it in Word because I've only done. I've done three paperbacks. So I did it for From Here to Nashville and um, my second book, The Vineyard in Alsace. And then I've just had to do it again for my box set. I decided to make a paperback of that. Um, And so when I did it the first time, I did it in Word and it was quite hard going, quite arduous. Um, The second time, I think I exported a PDF from Scrivener.
1: Mm, I've never tried
2: that. And, yeah, it it wasn't bad, but it wasn't brilliant, you know, when you get your widows and orphans at the tops and you know. (laughs) And so it wasn't perfect for that, but that's what I did that time. And then, again, this time I did um, go back to word. I didn't find it too bad, but it is just quite tedious, isn't it, going through and checking and making sure it's okay. But, um, yeah, I I would definitely um, appreciate being able to do that in vellum as well. So, yeah, I'm probably off
1: to buy Vellum uh, straight after I a conversation. You, you wait till you do your first paperback in Vellum, all right? <laughs> you will think, why did I ever postpone doing this? It is such yeah. a dream. All the, um you know, the other thing I could never get right was um the page numbering. I could never get the pages to start numbering from yeah. the the text of the book. I could never get that right. And it's all done in Vellum. It's just, honestly, it's a thing of great beauty. I know I keep <laughs> saying it. And, you know, a couple of people have said, I bought Vellum because you keep ranting on about it and uh was it patrick sheriff who said I, i'd set by the afternoon to learn it and i'd figured it out in 10 minutes it's so easy yeah. and then yeah. he also made money formatting books for people because it's so easy for him to do so oh, you know, all right and you're a bit you know you're a bit geeky aren't you, you do websites and things like that you're, you're, i you're do tech,
2: yeah you have yeah.
1: no trouble so, with it
2: julie you'll love it well it's funny isn't it because you know sometimes i'm surprised by what other people find difficult um and i think you do have to take a step back and realize that just because you can do it doesn't mean to say that everyone can do it. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I do work on other authors' websites. And, um, you know, I, I it's funny, you know, when you look at the, the things that they find difficult, but because you've done it loads and loads of times, you, you're not so sort of intimidated by it. And I think that's the thing is that if, if you can save someone that pain, I'm quite happy to save someone else that pain. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Um, it, probably that is something that I would consider doing once I got to know how to use it myself, yeah.
1: Jo, I must ask them for an affiliate link because I, I must uh, be selling shed loads of this software. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, it, really, it would be really useful for me to get an affiliate link on it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, know, you know, I know I've sold at least, I think, four or five by now. Uh, and it's quite a good uh, – say it's quite expensive. It's not hugely expensive, but it's something you have to think about, isn't it? It's two dollars or $300, I think. Yes, yeah. It does need yeah. some contemplation.
2: It does. I mean, you know, but it's. I think it's. It's easy to spend money with um, self-publishing. You know, with all the different things that there are to do, it's very easy to do. So you do have to think things through. You know.
1: Yeah, I do think it will help, but because you've got, um, you know, you've got a, a serious number of books now. I, I do think you'd find it very hard, very easy to you know to, to bring them in. Uh, the other thing about um, Vellum. Are you on a Mac or a PC? I'm on a Mac. Oh. Julia, wait, wait for <laughs> sorry this no 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 well no, don't no, 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 no listen to this though because the latest version of vellum lets you export sorry of scrivener on a mac lets you export to a vellum file so you oh yeah
2: yeah it's in i there. remember you know, seeing that yeah you, i do remember seeing it's in that
1: piles now so if you look at that you could take a vellum file out bring it into vellum just just do the little adjustments but you've even got a head start on me now because i take it out of scrivener you know, I have to. Um, I think I have to put it as a doc. I bring it out as a Word doc and then pull it into Vellum. You, you, um, we haven't got that yet in PCs, but uh, um, you've got it in your, in your updated Mac phone.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm currently editing my third book um, with a plan to publish that uh, in sort of springtime next year. So I definitely need to get it set up before then. I think.
1: So how did you get on with these next books? Because I I always think you've got to – I think you have to travel. You have to do the journey, I think, with the first book. It's always a nightmare. You get your tenses wrong and your story wrong and everything, and it's it's really hard work. And then I think you kind of step back and think, okay, right, I know what I did wrong there. And then it gets – hopefully it gets easier. How how did you find that? Did did it get easier?
2: With with the actual writing? Yes,
1: yes. Well,
2: with the second book, um, I – I think it was November of 2014, I did National Novel Writing Month. um, And I wrote the 50,000 words. And then in the sort of months afterwards, so going into 2015, I pretty much finished the book. Um, And then I left it for quite a long while because I was promoting the first book. And when I came back to it, so sort of late 2015, I decided that I wasn't happy with the story at all. So even though I'd done a bit of planning for that one after the first experience, um, I just really felt the story wasn't working. And um, what I actually did was, I think I got 80,000 words and I cut 40,000. Oh, so it was just so hard, Um, but I, I definitely felt so much better after I'd done that. And, um, you know, I started again and I got a finished version. And what I decided then um, at the end of 2015 was to submit to agents because I thought, well, but having sort of had the first experience, I thought, you know, I could see that having an editor would really help me, someone who is, you know, actually working with me all the time. And also in terms of the marketing I felt that you know I could perhaps benefit from that too so I decided to go the agent route and I I think I submitted to about six and one of them came straight back and asked for the whole thing so I thought oh my gosh you know I've done it I've actually done it and it's going to be brilliant so that was in December and she read it over Christmas and she came back and said you know I really liked it but I'm sorry it's not for us so cute you know lots of despair and um, I think of the other five one or two didn't even come back to me and the others just I got a flat rejection and so throughout 2016 or certainly the first sort of six to nine months I um, kept improving I went to sort of agent discovery days uh, all these different things and Then I met another editor at an RNA, um, no, it was a Society of Authors event um, that I went to in Manchester, and um, she was just getting into editing, and she said, um, she was an RNA member, and she said she would um, be happy to look at it for me. So we polished it up, and I submitted it to more, um, to, I think it was two agents and a publisher for the RNA conference that summer, and I only actually saw two of them in the end. uh, the agent said she hated it. She literally said she hated it. Oh, my goodness. That's a bit strong, is it? <laughs> it? was a bit strong. And um, the publisher said he loved it, um, but that he didn't take submissions without an agent. So, you know, that wasn't going anywhere. And I sort of got to the September and I thought, this is ridiculous. You know, it's so subjective. Um, You're making and, you me know... bristle
1: telling this. i <sighs> bristling at you telling me this. I know. Like, and how I, dare I just... you?
2: I felt I could go on and on doing this and not getting anywhere. So I just decided I've done it before, you know, and I know how to do it. I'm going to self-publish again. Um, And so, you know, the editor really helped me pull it into shape. And so I published The Vineyard in Alsace in March of last year, 2017. Um, And within absolutely no time at all, I'd sold a thousand copies.
1: Wow.
2: Um, And so it was just, ooh. this is a bit different. Um, and, it, you know, it was such a, um, an exciting experience, you know, to sort of sell thousands of copies. Um, and, you know, I, I was really lucky because, um, I mean, I did all the same things as far as marketing goes, but um, one of the bloggers that I contacted, um, Rachel Gilby, um, who's an absolutely brilliant blogger, and she does um, book tours and everything now as well, Um, She's also a a top 500 Amazon reviewer and she reviewed it and she loved it. And that really got me lots of um, interest um, and helped, you know, to keep the copies going, um, keep copies selling. And so, you know, uh, so there was that. And there was also the fact that um, I used, um, again, someone from the um, Alliance of Independent Authors to design my cover, Rachel Lawston, who I think... um, Debbie Young was talking about on your podcast previously
1: it's a lovely cover I do like that cover, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: and she oh, she's absolutely brilliant, and I, I was just so pleased with it, and i th- I think she really did well for me, so the combination of the cover and you know that that sort of um little push from Rachel as well and and you know all the other bits and pieces that I was doing um you know obviously helped that one um do so much better and and you know i felt really vindicated that i'd stuck with self-publishing then um but you know in terms of um oh sorry and the other thing i was going to say there was i was really lucky because i i was asked by um kindle if i wanted a kindle prime promotion oh wow So I had that for three months as well. You're a
1: celebrity. I didn't realize what a (laughs) celebrity you were.
2: I know. Well, I I couldn't believe it when I got the email. I I actually thought, oh, no, this must be a scam. You know, they can't (laughs) possibly be contacting me, asking me, you know, if I really want to do it. And um, I think at the um, time I'd um, recently signed up to um, David Gochran's email list, and, um, you know, he's quite approachable. You can email him and everything. And so I emailed him and said, is this real? And he came back and said, yep, it's definitely real. I'd go for it if I were you. Um, so I did go for it. And I think I climbed in the charts right up to number seven. But that's in the Kindle Prime reading charts. So for a little while, I was a celebrity, if you like, Um you know, getting to the top 10 was a really lovely feeling. And obviously I was selling because you, you get a, a fixed fee of I got 200 pounds um, for being in that. But then any books you sell during that period, you get your um, royalties as well. So, you know, I was selling the books and getting the fee and everything else. So, you know, it, it was really doing well. Um, but, you know, I, I just really regretted the fact that I'd I'd wasted pretty much a year not not doing anything um because I was submitting and listening to all the the critical feedback (laughs) um so you know if I uh, I sort of feel if I had my time again maybe I wouldn't do that but then you don't know if everything happens for a reason do you and you know if the way it worked out was the way it was meant to be
1: just make me cross though because I mean as a former teacher you know that you would never say that to a kid for feedback because that would kill them it would kill them and 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 so why does an adult feel that they can give that Um, feedback to another adult it might not be your thing that's fine but to sort of completely I mean that could have wrecked your confidence and stopped you writing I feel really bristly about that yeah
2: I mean I think that you know the whole process of submitting to agents and publishers you know I I understand totally that you know they get so many um, they can't read them all and they can't give you personal replies but I think it is such a, a, a difficult way to go you know and i i wouldn't be keen to put myself through that again i mean i'd never say never to the idea of a a a contract but i i I sort of say that i say that to people because i don't want to close that avenue off if it should ever come my way but you know i think it would have to be a really good um set up for me to change my mind and and do that now
1: yeah i mean i'm so i'm certainly receptive to it but i i what i don't understand is why uh, sort of agents of people who give feedback can't always come from a place of respect for what you've done e- you know even if it's poor you should always be respectful I think and that's really what what agitates me when people are very dismissive because it's people's you, know, you might your first book might be rubbish but you might get there eventually and yeah. you would never say that I go back to what I said about being a teacher you would never say that to a child you'd be universally condemned if you gave that feedback to a child yeah
2: definitely yeah, I think it is really hard and and I really admire people who do it for years. Um, but you know I think I do feel happy that I've chosen the right path for me. you know, I like being in control, as you said, you know i'm i'm I've got the technology i'm I'm able to do that, so that doesn't frighten me. Um, I think that the the thing I suppose for me now that i i I struggle with still and well, or two things is still, the the planning of the books, because I think that's got to get much better um, so that I can write more quickly. Um, Because I still, you know, even with the book that I'm editing now, I did write a a better plan again, but I still just can't find a system that totally works for me. I'm, you know, I'm always looking at other people's systems and, you know, analysing them and seeing if I can make that work. Um, So I think I've got to get something that just works for me Um, and I I still haven't quite found that yet but I I think one of the things is that I'm just tempted as soon as I get an idea I'm tempted to throw myself into it and get writing and I listened to um, Chris Fox or the plot gardening videos that that you'd mentioned Mm. Um, and I could really see that I need You know, it's not that I didn't know it before, but I could see when I was watching those videos that I really do need to spend more time thinking before I sit down and start writing. Because, you know, even with this book that I'm now editing, I remember sitting there some days thinking, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be writing today. And, you know, I got there in the end, but it took me quite a while to to get through that and get that done that was the last book that i was able to submit to the new writer's scheme because i've i'm an independent member now so i'm not on the new writer scheme anymore so um from the next book i write i need to you know get that sorted so that i can perhaps send it in for an assessment and and get going more quickly um so you know there's that that i still struggle with and i think you know if i did have that support from a traditional publisher that would really help, um, and then also there's the marketing, which is an ongoing challenge. Whatever you're doing, but you know some publishers help you with that, and some of them don't. So that's that's not necessarily a better situation if you, you're on a traditional contract anyway.
1: One of the things um, you said to me before you did this podcast that you you were nervous about it, and yet on your Amazon author page you do uh, readings in in libraries. which would terrify me um so isn't it funny what you know what different people what terrifies different people um yeah how have you got the nerve to do that you know with a live audience that can lynch you
2: Well, I've never had that that big an audience that lynching would really be possible. <laughs> I don't think but um i did i i i read um I've read a couple of times from uh well certainly from my first book, and I think at the last library talk I did, I read a little bit from my second book, but they're always very lovely, they're very lovely audiences you know they're they're on your side um and you know it's it's not as bad as you think <laughs> if you're sort of bur- your head's buried in your book it's not too bad but it it does feel weird um reading it out i have to say but um i'm not so worried about standing up in front of an audience cuz of the teaching but also um in previous jobs i've i've done presentations as well um so so that aspect doesn't worry me but i know that um standing up and giving presentations frightens the life out of a lot of people um, but yeah, the, the, the reading out of your book isn't, I, d- I don't find that a worry, but as you say, I, I'm worried, I was worried about talking on air because you just don't ever know what's going to happen to you. No,
1: no, it's funny. I, I, you see, I would not read from a book. That's never going to happen. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm happy doing presentations. I've done it to sort of let- you know, lecture theaters full of people. If I'm doing techie stuff, quite, yeah. quite happy with that. Uh, quite happy doing all the broadcasty stuff, but not that. That's one thing I, I've said to John Croncher about this. That terrifies the life out of me. Doing that,
2: and I don't know if you've seen it. Don't go. Don't go and look for it. But um, also, I asked my daughter when I did my first library talk. I asked her to video me reading. I've got it in front of me. Oh no, ah. <laughs> no. So I, I put that on my Facebook page, but I, I hate watching myself back. I. I there's something really weird about watching yourself um
1: yeah
2: <laughs> so i don't do that very often
1: no to be honest with you it never goes you know if you think how many years i've been doing uh radio you have to go yeah. no one likes the sound of their own voice i don't i hate it but you just have to view it as a tool uh you know and just get get over it really and yeah you, you know you it's you sound as you sound you just have to go over it um, yeah. and, and otherwise you'd never do anything i think
2: no and i i think it's good to do different things you know i find myself saying yes to a lot of things that i never thought that i would be doing um at this sort of point in my life you know i mean i I do quite a few library talks um and i've been to sort of fairs where i've sold my books as well and just got talking with people i've done a literary festival um last year when um i joined the society of authors and I'm part of a, a very dynamic group um, we meet locally it's the hertfordshire writers group and um, you know we we try and get ourselves out there and do lots of different things so you know um, again that was another sort of string to my bow and and i do i do feel more nervous talking about my writing than I did as a teacher standing up in front of children. And I think it's, and not to say that I didn't care about standing up in front of children, but I think because it's so personal to me now, this, this new career, um, and it means a lot that, you know, um, people respond well to me. Uh, because I, I, I did an audition for the WI. I don't know if you've ever done something like that. And it was a hundred ladies sat right in front of me auditioning me and i felt quite nervous when i stood up in front of them but they were very nice and um very welcoming some of them i knew i think there was even somebody who might have been the parent of a child that i taught you know which is always a a a concern but um that you might meet someone but they were all very nice but you know sometimes uh, that's probably the most daunted i i felt standing up in front of that many people for an audition but um, it did go very well. And I have got some bookings from that. So.
1: <laughs> I've done many talks for the WI. When I was at the BBC, they, oh, they have these. Um, and um, the thing I remember about doing WI talks, this is when I was at the Beeb, um, that they always used to have competitions at the end and all the ladies would try and nobble me um, oh. with the competition and say, you know, well, that's Frida's handkerchief. I don't think she's made much effort, and, and things like that. they are all try and nobble you to try and win the <laughs> prize. It was, te- it was terribly competitive. I've never seen anything like it, June. it was. Oh,
2: well, I should look out for
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're there as a guest speaker, that, I, I mean, I assume they still do this. This is not that long ago I was doing all these talks. I used to do Mother's Union. Um, i tell you what I used to enjoy, University of the Third Age. They're great oh, fun. Yeah.
2: I would like to get into that. I know um, there are some people, you know, some groups around here, but I haven't managed to sort of find my way in yet. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something that I've thought about. One of my other writing friends does a creative writing course for them, sort of a bit further away from here. Um, so I think there are opportunities there. It's just a, a question of exploring it, getting the time to explore
1: it, really. Well, they all have. Um, I know, you know, I know this from the beat because they all have these um, rotate. They need to. Somebody usually has to be in charge of getting the speakers in for the year and it's usually the same old people doing the rounds Uh, and some of them are dreary as you know dreary as anything Uh, My mum's done it for a year so she's told me this and so I think they're you know relieved to have somebody new who's got (laughs) something interesting to talk about a lot of the time
2: yeah i i mean i was surprised actually because i think i did the audition last year and i didn't get any bookings this year but the first booking i got was for january of next year um so they do definitely book a long time in advance um and you know um i, I think there are so many people interested in publishing books themselves you know whether that's fiction or memoir or things like that so I think you know it was definitely an interesting topic for them, um you know, and I talk about my self publishing journey and you know how how I sort of got from a to b um and you know people seem to really be interested, so yeah,
1: well, I think you've done brilliantly and I, and I think it's really interesting the way that you've gathered resources around you, you, you the podcasts and from organizations and you've really made it work extremely well for you now presumably I mean you've done really well when are you retiring as an author
2: (laughs) (laughs) well I can't see myself retiring anytime (laughs) soon um you know I I would like to get to the point where you know and I've definitely had a fair few months I mean I work part-time during the day uh just in the mornings um But I would – sorry, I I saw a few months where I was earning more from my writing than from that job a couple of times. Wow, that's exciting, isn't it? And that was exciting. And I would like to get to the point, you know, um, where I could earn enough from my writing that perhaps, you know, that would allow me to to give up work. But sometimes I say that and then I think that, you know, I mean, I love the job that I um, do. I work for a a charity and – you know, just the sort of meeting of people every day, because when I finished teaching, I decided, right, I'm going to go completely freelance and I'm going to try and make a go of it. And it was very slow to get started um, as these things are. And by the sort of by I think the end of the first year, I just felt quite lonely at home, um, you know, with that writing life and, you know, not really seeing anybody. And so I do like going out and it gets me up and out every day. I go and see people, I get their stories, you know. Um, and I, I think that's really important. So, you know, on the one hand, it, it sounds lovely, the idea of just being able to write all the time. But on the other hand, I've seen the other side of it, where, you know, it can be a bit of a lonely life. So if if that ever does present itself to me, um, you know, it's obviously something to think quite carefully about. But you know, it, it's certainly nice when you earn enough to feel that, you know, your writing is, um, you know, just worth doing, not just as as you've said before. It, it's not a hobby for me. I am trying to make money from it as well. But when it pays off, it just feels so good, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think a, a good target to set is what, what you just said there. If it, if, if you exceed or, or match uh, an element of income in your life, then I, I think you really need to pat yourself on the back at that point and say yeah you know, wow look at me I did this from something I made I'm earning as much as I am in a job and that's yeah. that's quite incredible really when you think about it. it's digital things that don't even exist and yeah. you just know, sell loads <laughs> of them
2: yeah and 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 I think that's absolutely brilliant and, and I think that's the best thing about self publishing really that you have that freedom to do that
1: for yourself where are you aiming what's your what's your big aim you said about possibly not working but do, do you have visions of of films, uh, you know Richard Curtis movies, kind of thing, or, or anything like that, or, or are you just happy with the writing?
2: I'm. Ha- I think I'm happy with the writing. Really, I mean, um, I don't know. It's kind of that just seems so far off. Really, I can't imagine myself ever doing it. Although, you know, when you watch programs and you analyze, you know, the, analyze the writing that goes for the program yourself as a writer, you know, you can see sometimes I watch things and I think, oh, I could have done that better. I knew exactly what they were gonna do and this sort of thing. But I know that, you know, screenplays are, are a different kettle of fish altogether. I wouldn't mind turning my hand to that at some point down the line, but it's not sort of big on my agenda at the moment. I mean really what I'd like to do is as I say get to the point where I can write more uh often, you know, publish books uh more regularly and you know just get a solid body of work out there and I think then you know if I was at that point then where the writing was you know my full-time job then I might look at other things but I still feel even after uh what is it five or six years of writing that I still feel like I'm at the very beginning you know there's just so much to learn all the time and and you know I haven't mastered everything yet so um you know it's uh, still a way to go i think
1: that was contemporary romance writer julie stock and you can access the show notes for that interview at selfpublishingjourneys.com you could also listen to the extra questions that i asked julie over at patreon.com forward slash paul teague patreon supporters get access to this content three weeks ahead of everybody else Now, next Monday, I'm going to be chatting to UK fantasy author S.P. Stevens about his journey to self-publication. And I'll have another edition of Paul's Podcast Diary for you on Saturday the 10th of November. But until then, have a great week of writing.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.